Welcome back to the Overtime Show. Your solo host today, Mitchell Marshall. And uh, as the NFL winds down, we look across the Atlantic with the NBA getting back underway. And you might be surprised at who the hottest team in the NBA is right now. Technically second place in the Western Conference, but winners of 11 and 12 is the Utah Jazz. And with me now, I have the voice of the Utah Jazz, the founder of the Locked On Podcast Network, general NBA insider and stats head, David Locke. David, thanks so much for coming on today. Good to talk to you. Do they call you M squared yet? Not yet. I'm waiting on a good nickname. They, you yeah. know, the English are picky about it. The English are picky. Well, they, they're smart is what they're, they're smart and cultured, unlike us. So they're all right. Yeah. You got to be pretty special or be really good at football to uh, or soccer here to uh, get one of those. But yeah, some too. I worked for David as a broadcast assistant for a year and also spent some time producing at the same radio station that broadcasts the Utah Jazz. Consider him a friend and a mentor, but he's also, he's just spot on on the whole NBA picture. But right now I get to talk to you about your team because the Jazz are rolling. They kind of ran into a giant Jokic last night, but before that they won 11 in a row. And I just want to put it out there. If someone doesn't watch the Utah Jazz, it's obviously they start at 3 or 5 a.m. most of the time here. What do they need to take away and understand? Let's start with the offensive side of the ball. What are the Jazz doing so well on offense? They're changing the league a little bit. Um, they are shooting threes at a outrageously high rate, which has been done kind of before. So there have been five. There's two things here, uh, Mitchell, that are interesting. There, there's, there's the two five teams in the history of the NBA have ever taken 40% of their shots as threes only five what's also interesting about that is right now this season they're six so if somebody thought the three-point shooting revolution was over actually the revolution is just beginning and it really hasn't started yet at all and the jazz are the next stage in the revolution because what the jazz are the first team that's doing this is they're the first team shooting over 40 percent of their shots as threes and shooting them really really well Last year, Dallas was the first team to shoot at that high a rate and be above average. And they had the best offense ever in the history of the NBA, efficiency-wise. The Jazz are shooting 40% of their shots as threes and making 40%. That is a game-changer. And as they figured out how to do this and get those off, they haven't lost until last night. But then Denver, to beat them last night, was the first team that we can find in NBA history to make eight threes in a quarter without a miss. They made, they were the 18th team in NBA history to make 15 threes and a half. The best before that was on 22 attempts and they went 15 of 17. These are signs that the revolution is just beginning. We're going to get to a point in the NBA where I think 60 to 65% of all shots are taken are threes. And I think you're going to see multiple teams doing it, shooting over 40%, and really be that makes the game unguardable. It's wild, and we've seen the Splash, Splash Brothers do it. We saw, uh, you know, Houston was obviously heaving up threes for a huge portion of last year. And now you see more rounded teams, I would call the Utah Jazz a more rounded team, realizing they need to put up those same percentages. So the question then shifts to the defensive side of the ball. You know, I don't... I don't uh, blame anyone for not being able to block a three from Jokic and Will Barton had an unreal night last night, but on the other end, what are the jazz doing well defensively and what can they do to defend that three better as the evolution continues? So the jazz have Rudy Gobert, Frenchman, who is the best defensive player in the world. And 
he allow he's one of the few players who single-handedly can guard the rim. The rim's still a better shot than threes, but in the analytics community, one of the things they all talk about is the defense dictates how many shots you get at the rim. The offense dictates how many threes you get. So let me say that again just so everyone can hear because once you kind of hear it, I think you'll make sense. The defense dictates how many shots are taken at the rim. So in other words, if you're a defense and you want to just protect the rim and keep people off the rim, you can probably do it. The offense dictates how many threes. If you just want to shoot threes, spread the floor, move the ball, it's almost impossible for the defense to get out and deny all those shots. What Rudy Gobert does is Rudy Gobert defends the rim as one man in a way that probably no other center in the NBA can which allows the Jazz to actually deny the three as well. So they don't have to lose, leave the three-point shooters because they have Rudy at the rim. So the Jazz are this unique combination, and it's really a math equation at this point. They take the second most amount of threes of anyone in the NBA. They allow the third fewest amount of threes of anyone in the NBA because Gobert's in the middle, and so everybody else can get out on shooters and can protect those shooters from shooting. When we talk about floor spacing, the Jazz have such a unique opportunity because Rudy just plugs up that center in such a different way. So I want to talk about role players here for the Jazz. I think everybody, or I, we're going to talk about Mike Conley, so let's not call him a role player, but everyone knows about Donovan and Rudy, even if you're just seeing House of Highlights. Um, and you know, they brought in Bogey to be able to shoot. He finally came through last night. He's had a little bit of a rough start. Uh, obviously some great production from Clarkson off the bench, but Conley came in to be the third star. And if you don't have two top five guys like the Lakers, you, you kind of need to have a third all-star. So Conley comes in and there's a fair bit of criticism about how he plugs in. Cause I think everyone likes Quinn and considers jazz head coach Quinn Snyder to be a really smart guy who would be able to put that team together, but it didn't quite click last year. And it's in the bubble. Bogey wasn't there, all that, but something is clicking with Mike Conley, even when Mitchell's out. Things seem to be going really well. What is different with Mike Conley in the Utah Jazz right now? Well, I think there's a few things here. Um, one is the transition that Mike Conley went through without getting too granular here. Mike Conley went from playing with kind of the same team in the same role for 12 years and for 11, you know, for most of them had the same big guy, Marcus, Marcus Sol, the Spaniard that he was uh, playing with. The transition to Utah and playing off the ball, not with the ball in his hands all the time as jazz play with multiple ball handlers and then playing with a Rudy Gobert who can't pop. He can only roll. He's not an outside shooter really was just far more difficult for him than anyone had ever considered. As the year went on last year, he was battling injuries. So there was never can really can. And then COVID slowed the game, uh, stopped sports. There was never a continuous time where he played long enough for everyone to realize that he had figured it out a little bit. But if you kind of go back and look at him post-February last year, it was coming together. His eight games in the bubble before he left for the birth of his child were good. His playoffs were good. So this is really the continuation of that. Um, and I think he's just stopped thinking and he's begun to play. The other thing the Jazz have done, back to Rudy Gobert, is they've matched his minutes. They've get, they, he's playing the exact same amount. of Every one of his minutes is basically with Rudy Gobert, and that can make you look good. Interesting. Yeah, that is, there's something I hadn't seen before, but he adds such a different dimension because it did come down to the point where it felt like everything was going through Donovan, and Donovan wasn't necessarily a primary ball handler before last year. And so to bring in another point guard and have to make that mesh and now give another scoring threat, it also takes the pressure off of Joe Ingles. Obviously, Clarkson is hot, and he may be streaky. He may have a down part of his year again but it makes this jazz offense really dynamic. And I think people don't always expect that. 
But the Jazz, you know, I worked for you during what we'll call the Gordon Hayward area, the last year that they didn't make the playoffs, which was, it was terrible for us broadcast assistants to end early. But since then, they've really been competitive. They've been really looked at as a second round playoff team. Last year, they were one shot off. They ran into a, a Denver team that just did some magical things and a Jamal Murray that we haven't seen since. And that was one of the most fun playoff series that I've ever seen. But what in this last 11 games might help you feel like they could take that next step, maybe get to a Western Conference Finals. Um, obviously, Shaq doesn't think that that combination of stars can get them there, but I'm just curious, what evidence can we take from this win streak that says the Jazz not only need national attention now, but they're going to stay in that conversation and be a critical part at the end of the year? Well, I mean, one is that they're, they're a high-level offensive and defensive team. You know, they've played the Clippers, who are probably the best team in the NBA right now. They led by they, – they, they won and led by 20. Uh, they played Milwaukee, who's probably the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. They led, uh, they won handily and led by 25. Um, they, you know, until last night when they ran into uh, a historic night and Jokic, who's probably the MVP of the league, you know, they had led by 20 or more uh, this year, I think, in of the win, 11 win streaks, they've done it in seven of the games in the win streak and another three. So in 10 of the 19 games they played, they'd led by 20 at some point. Um, if you think about a basketball game, it's actually hard to lead for 40 minutes because you can't, re you don't really lead. Can You know, you go back and forth and you grab the lead. And it's some, you know, if you grab the lead eight minutes in and never relinquish it, that's pretty dominating. The Jazz have led by for 40 or more minutes. So think about that for a second. Wow. 40 or more minutes in 11 games this year. In 11 of their 20 games, they've led for 40 or more minutes. Wow. Um, they've led by 30, I think, five, six times. They've set an NBA record for the most threes in a calendar month. Um, they've set an NBA record for most consecutive games with 15 threes made. So they really are changing the game. They're, they're revolutionizing and changing the game a little bit. They've been a fun, a fun team to watch. And uh, I want to throw in kind of what you do with the Lockdown Podcast Network here and, and talk about something you spoke about on your show, I believe today or yesterday. So the Lockdown Podcast Network, it's every major North American team, plus one for leagues, one for fantasy has, uh, or I'm sorry, aside from MLS, so the four major sports that we would consider in the States, uh, there's daily podcasts from someone local, they're commute friendly, and you've done one for years called the Locked On Jazz Podcast, and it's huge. People who don't listen to the radio love your podcast. You doing additional content is what kind of brings people in. I, that's, I just want to remark that uh, because that company is just doing great things, um, and I got to see it in its infancy, and some of my friends have hosted podcasts for you, but you remarked yesterday that the Jazz might be a top four team in the NBA. Let's call them third or fourth. The problem is the other two to three teams might be in the Western Conference, barring the Nets learning how to play defense. Is that kind of how you see it? Like in a seven-game series of crunch, it might be really hard. I, for some reason, I see the Clippers as beatable. But LeBron James and Anthony Davis, when they're locked in in a seven-game series, or the, the Nuggets might be kind of a, an Achilles heel for the Utah Jazz. Do you see that the Jazz being able to take those teams down in, in seven games? So I don't know, honestly, I do think the jazz, are one of the four best teams in the NBA. And I do think that the other three are the Lakers Clippers jazz and nuggets are all like the four best teams in the NBA right now. I don't know in what order, you know, the Clippers to me, I've, I think are the best team is the best team in the NBA. Their length is amazing. Their versatility is incredible. I think they're just great. So I would be really surprised uh, if they actually didn't win it. 
Um, I think they're, I think they're great. Uh, you know, obviously the Lakers have LeBron. I can't tell on the nuggets. Obviously the jazz and nuggets have gone back and forth. The jazz cannot stop the nuggets. That is clear on the other end. Like if that's what it takes to beat the jazz is Jokic having 47 in the, and the nuggets having a historic three point shooting night, then maybe last night in some ways was actually a sign of how good the jazz are, that that's actually what it takes to beat end the win streak. They didn't, they didn't end the win streak because they had a bad nighter because the other, the other team played out of this world and they lost. Well, that happens in this league, particularly when you're playing one of the other four best teams in the league. So I'm not sure yet. Um, I do like, I believe in math. Um, I know it's crazy. An, an American that believes in math and believes in science. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an incredible thing that you found me, but I would say that I, I believe the, the math on what the jazz are doing from behind the three point line is, is really interesting. And it, it might be a little game changing. Well, I will tell you here, they're, they're really bringing analytics in to soccer over here. And that is one thing that's coming over to the sports media world from the States, I think, is they're, they're falling in love with some of that. So uh, we're happy to have you. I get lots. I got lots of questions about believing in science when I first moved here around the election time, which was just lovely. One of my really good friends just left the jazz to go be the analytics director for the Austin Football Club, which oh, wow. is one of the MLS teams. So, uh, yes, it is. It is rising up. Yeah, expected goals is is the big new the big stat at the moment. So it's kind of fascinating to see how that leaks into games. And sorry, I had to ask about the long term effects of the Jazz. I know we're far from the playoffs, but that is the perspective that uh, I want to give right now for just how well that the Jazz are are playing. Um, and to say the Nuggets, even when they beat them in the playoffs, it's Murray was playing out of his mind. He hasn't done that since. And you know, it'll probably take him and Michael Porter Jr. doing something special if Jokic isn't scoring forty seven. So. Yeah, I'm already excited to get into that crunch time. I want to run a couple of quick other things by it and we'll let you go. Just first of all, who are you enjoying watching when you're trying to keep track of the NBA in your limited time? What's jumped out to you as enjoyable or exciting this season outside of the Utah Jazz? I just think there's just a load of talent. I mean, I think what Embiid and Jokic are doing right now is big men inside the game is, is pretty remarkable. Anthony Davis obviously is that great. Um, I find Milwaukee fascinating because I think there's something wrong there and I can't figure out what it is. I mean, they're still putting up good numbers, but they just don't seem right. Uh, the Harden, Durant, Kyrie Irving grouping is amazing. I don't know if they'll ever play defense. Um, uh, they haven't yet. Um, so I think that'll be that'll be worth keeping an eye on. Uh, and I, you know, this is pretty heavy detailed stuff, but the coaching in the league is really incredible. The coaching's really, really, really amazing right now. There's just so many interesting things that go on night to night if you understand and follow the game intently. It's tough. I am so much more impressed here with NBA fans in the UK than NFL fans are staying up late once a week. The amount of people I know here who keep track of every game that's going on, and some of the East Coast games are much more manageable, but when I know that they're watching the Lakers and the Clippers constantly coming from that Pacific time zone, it's incredible. But you're right, there's there's a lot of stars and that coaching. I think that's why it's good to have you on. Cause we're, when we hear about that three point evolution and we see what teams are adjusting to it, you're learning what a big role that has. I've always thought that coaches like Brad Stevens and Quinn Snyder, I've always given those teams a little, I usually don't want to say a coach makes that big of a difference, but it's more and more. And it seems like both of those are giving their teams quite a bit of a, of a lift. I would throw Taylor Jenkins in there from Memphis and Terry Stotts for Portland. I think those are, two of the best coaches in the league. I don't know how Memphis is eight and six. Um, you know, I know they haven't played as many games. They've won six straight. They have the longest win streak in the NBA right now. That's, that's a remarkable story. I'm sure no one's watching Memphis, but you know, that would be a team I might take some time and take a listen to. 
I think uh, last one here, just because we're on coaching and you mentioned some other names, I feel like Nick Nurse got a lot of love and obviously he's done some things well and he's getting a lot of compliments on his defense. And like you said, the Jazz are in a good spot because while they're, they have the defensive two-time defensive player of the year, they play two-way basketball. And sometimes the teams like the Nuggets and the Nets, which are really highly rated right now, really struggle on defense. I just want to know your thoughts on Nick Nurse and if there's any other coaches that could give their team that defensive kick that might help them to slow down that three enough to stay competitive in these games without a ton of firepower themselves. Jeez, I don't know. Um, I don't think I have a good answer for you on that one. I'm not with COVID and everything that's going on. I, I'm having a hard time getting a read uh, on some of these teams. I've had to just kind of sit back and enjoy the games every night rather than trying to watch the games with some feeling that what happens tonight has an impact moving forward. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that makes sense. I I really like, I'm going to watch Houston, Oklahoma city tonight and I'll watch Phoenix Dallas tonight. Like tonight's kind of an awesome night because they there's, there's a uh, Eastern time. There's a seven 30 game. Then there's like four, eight o'clock games. And then there's like three, two, eight 30 games, I think. And then there's like a nine. So like you can kind of, you know, segment you're watching. You you can probably get in a ton of the games today. Um, but, you know, I'm just going to watch them and enjoy them a little bit more than I have just trying to take it all in and not. I just think there's so much going on. It's hard to read teams. And then the other thing I think that co- the impact COVID's having that makes it hard to read is you lose a few players due to COVID or you stop playing some games, you lose your momentum or you, you, you lose your mojo a little bit. And then you come out of it like Dallas, I think, is, you know, came out of having a bunch of players missing lost their confidence as a group. And now it's not just that they have to build back their continuity as a unit. They actually have to build back like a, a confidence amongst themselves. Um, and I think that's making things particularly interesting around the league right now is just the, the kind of psychological impact of missing two or three players at a time. Like Miami's got to build themselves out of this thing where they're seven and 12, like Toronto's just got such a difficult situation because they're playing in Tampa. And as you mentioned, Nick nurse is, is so great. Um, but Dallas is really interesting because they're kind of a mess having lost five in a row, but they're really a mess because they came out of COVID and injuries. They didn't have a rhythm. And then next thing you know, they like they've lost five in a row and Doncic is throwing balls against, against things and people are frustrated and we'll see what happens. I wonder if it'll mess with seeding too, because Denver started out pretty rough, but I, no one needed to hit the panic button. It seemed like they would come on and now they are, they, I think they've won six of their last seven. Um, and so it's not panic mode for Dallas or Miami, but you wonder if it is going to cost them, cost them a seed when, you know, may, maybe crowds are back around playoffs. I'm, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I am curious COVID wise for you. I've seen you have to broadcast from the studio. I'm wondering the biggest effect that it's had on you as a broadcaster. And if there's anything you're going to take with, take it back into the post COVID era that you've learned from being innovative during this time that you really enjoyed, or if you really just want to get back to your rhythm that you had before, I know you're a man of habit. You work so hard. Just curious what your experience has been and the key, the thing that you're going to take away from it. Yeah. You're really just missing all the one-off conversations. You know, Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert really connected well this year. Mm -hmm. I would have had a conversation with each of them about it and been able to kind of get into details. Now you get one question in a zoom you never get that time. I mean, I have their numbers, but I'm not going to bother them. It seems kind of contrary to what you're supposed to be doing. So that, that kind of conversation, watching practice, missing out on that is, is been super hard. Um, so no, there's not a lot I'm going to take from this. I, 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 <laughs> I can do without this. I, I absolutely agree. Can't wait to be back in arenas. And, and 
like, you know, when you're press, you're in there, you're, you're witnessing these little moments, pregame, postgame times, times you can see players and see interactions that you're not going to see outside of that. And obviously during travel, you're also getting an entirely different experience. So it's curious to see David, thank you so much for your time. It's been a blast to watch the jazz. I hope everyone who hears this starts to give a little bit more eyes to Utah so that when the playoffs roll around, they know one of the teams that they'll really want to keep an eye on good luck going forward and with the podcast network with the jazz and everything and we'll keep in touch thanks man best of luck to you keep up the great work you as well thanks david